Have you heard about our latest subscription offer? Subscribe to an Irish Examiner annual subscription today and receive a free pair of OneSonic earphones valued at $79.99. Stay informed with our award-winning journalism and enjoy your favourite podcasts in premium sound. Visit irishexaminer.com forward slash earphones to subscribe now. Hurry, this offer won't last long. Terms and conditions apply. Offer available while stocks last. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now, dereliction. Despite having a major housing crisis, despite the cost of housing having gone through the roof, there are a huge number of vacant and derelict sites and buildings all over the country that could be put to very serious use. Most of these sites are actually in towns and cities, the exact location where they're most needed. Just by comparison, I mean, think back to the aftermath of the Celtic Tiger and the phenomenon of ghost estates. I think we'll all remember that. And a lot of us pine for those days now in terms of availability. But uh, one of the issues around that is that a lot of these estates were very much out of town and basically where people didn't want to live and and at that time didn't require to, to live somewhere so out of the way and they'd just gone wrong. That is very different from what's out there now. The dereliction that currently exists is largely based right around urban conurbations throughout the state. And it would, on the face of it, appear to be an area that could be rectified and contribute hugely to alleviating the current crisis, not to mention rejuvenating towns all over the country. And we have seen a lot of towns being run down over the recent decades. Now, the government has made plenty of noises about this. And to be fair, they've actually enacted a few laws. Whether or not those laws are being observed or enforced, we'll come to that in a minute. But we want to look at what exactly is the story on the ground. In recent weeks, the Irish Examiner reporter Neil Michael has been traversing the highways and byways across Munster to find out exactly what state our cities, towns and the odd village are in when it comes to dereliction. His results, which are very comprehensive and they make for some really interesting reading, they can be seen currently on the irishexaminer.com website and they include a few surprises as well. And to go over a couple of those, I am now joined by Neil Michael. Neil, you're very welcome. How are you? Neil, first of all, give us the big picture stuff. Um, 
how did you find it going around and, and, and the extent of dereliction in a lot of the towns and, and, and cities, obviously, you went to? I mean, you've got a, a wide spectrum. Uh, at one end, you've got um, Limerick City and County Council, who are probably the best in Munster and possibly the best in Ireland at tackling uh, dereliction. Um, it's not hard to go around certain parts of County Limerick uh, compared to... Uh, what you might have seen a couple of years ago, and see either derelict buildings have been basically demolished, or they're they're very actively being done up. Um, and then at the other end of the spectrum, uh, you can pop into certain towns in Kerry, and you might as well not have bothered. The level of vacancy, the level of dereliction, um, it, it's 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 hard to see what is being done. Um, and then in the middle, you've got um, a kind of, uh, there's, I suppose, an, a, an aspect of, I mean, look, the, 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 the government grants that have been uh, thrown at this problem are, uh, while cynics would have probably welcomed, with a, you know, with a certain amount of cynicism um, a few years ago, um, they're certainly having an impact and there are certain communities that are getting together uh, and and making the most of it. And while, you know, you won't necessarily see great evidence in every county, there is certainly signs that um, they're having a huge impact. But a lot of it depends on where um, the local community gets together with the local politicians and the local um, NGOs and where everyone works together, things happen. Right. So we'll come to specifics yeah. in a minute, Neil, but I'm just wondering in terms of, because it, it was a series you did and you went through a whole reading back through a number of towns and villages and cities, your overall impression of the state of these towns now, I mean, is there a lot of dereliction in general terms? There is a lot of dereliction in general terms. It's not as bad as it was, but I mean, people tend to forget that while it's all very well going around waving a magic wand and saying, my God, there's a lot of dereliction here, we need to do something about it, and wringing your hands and saying, it's appalling. It's it's actually a very difficult and it sounds like a cliche, but it's actually a very complex issue to have to deal with. Like often is the case that it may well be somebody is in a nursing home and is not in a position to give permission for the house to be done up. You may have a situation where it's still being held in probate. There's an issue with the will. You had that awful situation in, in Mallow and uh, Cork. Tell us about that. I, I, I saw that. Just give us a bit of detail about that case in uh, in Mallow. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it literally, it, 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 the issue of dereliction in, in Mallow, it, it just it took a very macabre twist when basically the remains of a, of a man called Tim O'Sullivan was found under a duvet in the, in the bedroom of his single-storey terrace house. Um, uh, two council officials made the, 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 the discovery after they broke into the Beecher Street property. Uh, there had been complaints about uh, rodent infestation from neighbouring properties, and they um, they, dis- they 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 discovered they discovered his 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 body lying there, as I say, under a duvet. And they when when Gardy checked the dates of the of the milk and I think the the margarine or whatever that was in the fridge, it looked as if he'd lying there since two thousand and one. Uh, which was a long, long time ago. Um, and, you know, beforehand, if you had looked at that property, it was a number, of, one of a number of derelict properties on that street. Um, 
like there's other streets where you'll see weeds growing out of the property. I, I can't remember seeing weeds growing out of this particular property, but I do remember seeing notices uh, on on the on the door. Or, and then I think somebody had even boarded it up because um, local youths had been throwing stones through the windows. Um, but there, there, therein lies a classic. Uh, uh, okay, it's, it's a very extreme example, but it just goes to show that, like for example, this person, by all accounts, appears to have been almost completely off the grid. Um, I don't think he'd even registered the property. They, the council just simply didn't know who owned it. And there's a number of properties around the country, not just in Munster, not just in Cork or Tipperary, where nobody knows who actually owns it. And if you go in there and decide to take it over, um, it is it has it almost has to be a long drawn out process because. It's somebody else's private property, and they may not know that it's in that particular repair. They may not be in a fit state to know. I mean, it's it's just not. It's one of those issues that yes, they people really are getting a handle on it. The housing crisis has really focused people's minds. Things are happening. I mean, Cork isn't the only place where uh, bodies have been found in derelict properties. Um, there was one in a hotel. I think it was in Waterford. Uh, there was a hotel that had been used by uh, various people. Um, and there was one particular guy, I think he'd got out of prison, he had uh, drug issues, uh, and he died, um, I think he died either of an overdose or there was a fire in the property. You know, it's it's all over the place. Uh, and it, But it's not, you know, you can't just blame councils or you can't just blame, there are definitely some uh, builders who are hanging onto the properties because they want the property to, um, to increase in value. Um, or maybe there's other people who are trying to get the money to actually do the property up. I contacted recently by somebody in, in Clomel, and I've got to get back to them, but they said that they bought a, a derelict property and they said, would you like to interview me? Because I've got a, a, you know, a lot of nightmares to talk to you about, about how difficult it was just to do up a property. We've heard of people who wanted to do up um, derelict properties but were stopped by the local council or the local uh, um, heritage group or whatever because there was a particular tile that was out of place or, you know, there's... It's just not as it's it, it's not a simple um, issue. It's it, it's most definitely a complex one. Um, but you do get the impression that most of the councils, certainly in this particular survey, which we think is fairly representative of the rest of the country, most of the councils seem to be taking the issue a lot more seriously than they were uh, two years ago. And that would be down to uh, a combination of government providing the finances to do up these properties, but also society just doesn't. It doesn't accept it anymore. It doesn't think it's good enough that there are these properties lying empty while there's people living in emergency accommodation and an increasing number of people living in their cars, and quite rightly too. And I presume, Neil, that we're talking about a mix of commercial and residential, because on the residential side, you know, culturally it would strike me, and I may not be correct in this, but it would be my view on it, that you have a scenario in an awful lot of places whereby people don't want to live in towns anymore as they did up until recent decades. You have the one-off housing phenomenon. People want their own splendid isolation out in the country and what have you. And I just wonder then, as a result, has that meant there is no urgency in retrieving residential buildings within the towns because... uh, there's no great demand for them, or certainly wasn't until the recent years. You've, you've hit on something that um, that is it is a changing phenomenon right across Ireland, which is your and and, and COVID uh, certainly hastened 
uh, hastened it. Uh, the, 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 the one sentiment that I came across in every county was, the traditional high street is now dead. That you, you, you're not going to get any more shops side by side, bustling marketplaces individually, up and down the streets. What you're increasingly going to get are um, uh, people coming back into town centres to live in flats or in, in single houses. And you're going to get an increase in things like coffee shops, small restaurants, um, and people opening up um, various businesses. I mean, it, it, it's the one thing that came across repeatedly by the people who are, are, are kind of invested in trying to sort the problem out, um, is that, yeah, the high street is dead. It's And it's not coming back anytime soon. Um, you know, increasingly people want to work from home, Um so increasingly, the whole work, working from home model is is gradually moving back towards the town centres. Um, because what else are you going to do? I mean, you go to any town centre now and you look at the amount of pubs that have been closed down, the amount of shops that are closed down. Um, you, you can't... I mean, at the end of the day, one, one lot of people you could blame for that is the average punter. They're just not going to the local pubs like they used to. They're just not shopping in shops like they used to. Online shopping started the rot probably, what, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And out of town. Out of town shopping centres, spot on. You know, um, I worked in the UK for a while and any uh, any council meetings I used to go to, um, the local councillors were um, fought tooth and nail uh, out of town shopping centres. When I returned here uh, to work here in Ireland, what, what amazed me was just how easy uh, developers have been to open up out of town shopping centres. And of course, logically, they drain the blood the lifeblood out of a town, and you have to wonder why was this allowed to happen? Who's to blame for that? You know, and then again, you you also have to remember the average punter wants cheap food, wants the convenience of being able to park. Um, you know, you can't just say, "Oh, council gave permission because they can get lots of rates from a bigger business, and it's really simple to collect it from one person, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. The Irish people, our our habits have changed. We've 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 just, we're just doing things differently. We're increasingly drinking at home or increasingly, um, uh, you know, we, the way we live our lives has changed. And as a result, don't be too surprised that your town centres are now changed. But I think there are examples, and I'm just trying to remember one in particular, where it is there are appalling examples of bureaucracy gone gone mad. There's a property, it was a town centre building, the top floor of which crumbled into the street below near a zebra crossing. Um, so was that in Mitchellstown? Collapsed in Mitchellstown. And, I th- and it was, somebody even set up a Facebook account called The Crumbled Building. Um, now, that, that is in the same state as it was when it happened. I think it was two years ago. Um, like, it's, it's literally, if you look at it, and you can see it easily on Google Maps and you can see it on the street, it's like a, someone fired a missile at it and... Uh, it reminds me when I when I travelled in Poland to a wedding um, about 10, 15, 20 years ago and there were buildings in this particular town that were still bombed out from the war. Like, you know, we, we never had a world war in this country, but like there are properties where it, it might as well be that we fought a world war and they're just lying in ruins. There is no excuse for that. And now apparently it's I mean, all that's, to do that's, with... That's, that's a shocking indictment. It is a shocking that, indictment, that, yeah. That would still be, whatever about bureaucracy, whatever about changing lifestyles, the fact that a collapsed building like that, not to mention the possibility of it being a, a danger, and the one in Mitchison, from recollection, I think there was a, a shortcut for kids going to school had to be closed as well. as That's it. But it would not be rectified to, to, to any extent so far down the line. That's... 
there's something badly wrong there. There is, there is. I mean, I, I, I did ask, and I, I kind of had to be careful how I worded it, but I, 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 apparently lawyers, various teams of lawyers are involved, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think the thing I did find quite frustrating was there tends to be a very coochie-coo attitude among some uh, council officials about how they tackle um, uh, dereliction. Like, there's a no-nonsense approach that, I, that really comes across uh, in Limerick. Basically, um, they clock your derelict property. They'll probably give it about a year to find out who owns it. And then they'll just stick a notice on it. And, you know, if you don't do something about that property, they'll take it off you. They've made millions in property sales, which some of which they give back to the owner. Uh, the rest of it, they just plow into um, doing up. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic what they're doing in many respects. They're just basically saying, do you know what? We're sick of this. We're going to do something about it. They're slapping levies on people. And anybody who, for example, puts their hands up and says, yeah, it's my derelict property, they're being asked. They, well, they have, to, they have to come up with the levies first before they can sell the property. Clare, for example, aren't quite at the Limerick stage yet. Limerick are definitely, they're kind of like sorting out dereliction, they're on steroids. But Clare are kind of getting there in many respects. I was talking to um, a number of councillors there and they were saying that one of the biggest incentives at the moment is there is a growing fear among people of what might happen that wasn't there a couple of years ago. And it is the fear that if you own a derelict business or a derelict property residential in one of these Clare towns that have been targeted by officials. And they are quite coochie about it. They're, very, they, they, they're probably nicer about it than, than other councils, but, they're, but they are finally getting the group of it. And then at the other end of it, you've got a, a place like Kerry, where um, they've, they've levied uh, quite a few uh, properties. €437,568 in levies have been issued by the council in regard to 45 sites since July 2021. But how much have they actually got back? 8,500. And like, Kerry is a classic in that we gave Kerry, just like every other councillor, right, gave them more than a month to come back to us and, and answer the simple question, what are you doing and what could you do better or what could be, what, what could be used to help you uh, tackle dereliction in, your, um, in, your, in the county? And unlike any other council, Kerry came back with a, with a, with a, with a statement that was all of 27 words. You know, it's <laughs> that's a council that is very shy at explaining what on earth it's doing. And you go to towns like Tralee, and it's depressing. I had various politicians try to dress it up and say, well, things are changing. And some of them were just using the same language they used two years ago. And it just wasn't convincing. And then when you go to the press office who are supposed to represent the council's best interests... And they give you a 27-word sentence, a statement on what they're doing. You just think, this isn't a council that's taking it seriously. I've been contacted by a number of politicians since who thanked us for our piece and said they're just appalled at the lack of um, obvious action. Like there's a Denny site in Tralee that's been apparently vacant for eight years. It was gifted to the town for the use of one thing or another. They keep trying to put things into it and it's just empty. I mean, it's... You have to wonder sometimes uh, why some councils are fantastic at what they do and other councils just... Well, that's what I was getting to, Neil. I mean, in your experience, <laughs> what is the difference there? Like, why why are some apparently taking more seriously? I, I note that, for instance, you know, Limerick, I think, has increased population. And you mentioned Clare there, and there was a fair increase in population in Clare 
in the between the the census of sixteen and uh, the most recent one, would it be that there's greater urgency in those counties that perhaps either are experiencing or are forecasting a bigger problem with accommodation? I I, I don't know. I'm just shooting whether that is or because there that lack of of a uniform response that that's definitely worrying. No, I mean I'll give you a small example, right? Uh, I remember looking at Waterford some time ago for a single dereliction news story. And within a very short space of time, and I'm talking hours, their dereliction officer was answering his email uh, and, uh, and gave me his mobile number and said, no, you give me a call if there's anything else you need to know. You do that with, say, Kerry, and you might as well just give up. You try with Limerick and their press officer onto you within 24 hours maximum. You know, there are some councils, like Waterford is fast gaining a reputation. Like, for example, you look at Waterford University Hospital, by all accounts, is a model of hospitals in Ireland. It has mm. apparently, uh, people Elements in Cork which, yeah, yeah. love to get, there's something happening in Waterford uh, that is, 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 people should be raising their eyebrows about it. They're very proactive about doing the bleeding obvious. Get things sorted, do something about it. Bring in young, intelligent ambitious, keen, go-getting people to do stuff and stuff gets done. And like, you know, the council helped a small town called Capaquin raise six million in state aid to not only do up derelict properties, but they've actually started buying up derelict properties and selling them to buy more. I mean, how proactive do you... You don't see examples of that from counties like Kerry. You see examples of similar kind of initiatives in Limerick. You see things happening in Clare. There are, you know, there's varying degrees of things happening. Um, but but certainly Waterford seems to be very... It's very into, like, getting everyone together uh, and, 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 and trying... Like, OK, it does help the fact that they've got a Waterford county manager, Dennis McCarthy, in Capaquin Regeneration uh, Company helping things because he knows where to go and he knows who to talk to and all that sort of crack. Um, I, I, what, what is the difference? What is the reason? I don't think it is the increase in, 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 in people coming in, in, in population, because let's face it, um, all counties are experiencing a, 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 a rise in population. Um, I think it's just the will on the part of the combination of the people, the council, the politicians, and everyone, not just mouthing off, but actually working together to get it done. And those are the councils uh, where you see uh, the best results. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The other element that I've noticed in, in a number of your pieces is that in certain towns, the capacity of the community itself to form a development company to get working. And Kappa Quinn, as you mentioned, is a, an excellent example to actually come together and get the thing done irrespective of how proactive or possibly putting pressure on local authorities to, 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 to get things done. That seems to be a, a big factor as well in terms of those places that are getting their act together. It is. I mean, Capricorn is... Apparently, it is such a good example that um, it's now used by the government. It's used in local council associations. It's used as an example um, of how local uh, um, towns and villages should should try and deal with the problem. It's it's um, and it's like no surprise that um, when uh, the rural and community development minister Heather. Mac- Heather Humphreys um, announced 150 million rural regeneration and development fund funding for 23 projects around Ireland. Um, she launched it in the village uh, last November. Um, uh, you know, so uh, Tramore is another place that um, is 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 also um, uh, changing. But then, see, the other thing you also have to bear in mind is sometimes things can happen almost by accident. Tramore, for example. Uh, has for one reason or another become a very popular town. Uh, it's near Waterford City. It's not a million miles away from Dublin. Uh, prices are starting to shoot up there. People increasingly want to live there. And as a result, because of the growth in demand for property and people with money to buy it, okay, sadly, prices are going up. For example, in February, a 1920s bungalow uh, sold, according to the Residential Property Price Register, for £1.7 million. Now, the fact that it was renovated and refurbished by Dermot Bannon in uh, 2019 may well have helped. But uh, according to the local estate agents, they're saying, you know, um, property, anything that's coming on the market is changing hands very, very quickly. Uh, you know, money has been spent on doing the town up. Um, it's right beside a beach. They've got good links, good transport links. You know, there's a lot of things that over the last sort of decade or two have just kind of conspired to suddenly re- lead to some kind of a boom time in that particular town. So the demand is there. But, you know, not everybody wants to live in Capaquin. Not everybody wants to live in, in Abbey Field. But Abbey Field, for example, I mean, in, in Limerick, um, another example of where there's a, um, help from, 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 the, from the council and the local community that's a town that uh, has seen better days, but they've got a huge amount of money heading their way. I think it's, it's I think it's millions. I'm not, I don't know the exact amount, but they're proactively trying to uh, put new life into the town. They're doing up properties. They're uh, they're knocking down derelict properties. They're rebuilding. They're repossessing various ones. There, you know, there's a lot of work that's going into Abbey Field. Um, you know, to and, and of course, then you've got some towns benefit from the Greenway. So you've got Cahar Sivine. Now, not an awful lot has been done in Cahar Sivine, yet again, County Kerry. But what the locals do say is that most of the properties that were up for sale a couple of years ago, they have been bought. And people are biding their time um, for a combination of reasons. But the main one is the imminent arrival of the Greenway. And once that Greenway um, uh, starts, uh, you know, a lot of tourists 
yeah, that's going to have a big impact on Cara Savine. But I mean, I like Cara Savine was appalling when I was there two years ago. Um, now I didn't get to go to it this year, but um, I remember uh, there was a particular street running parallel to the high street, and it had buildings that literally yet again looked as if somebody had been firing rockets at them. And you just found yourself thinking, "Holy shit!" Like it's not the it's not the nineteen sixties here. It's this is, you know, the twenty twenties. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I know a bit about Carsevine, all right, and uh, it has seen tough times. And and to be fair, a lot of in places like that. That's just an example because I'm aware of it. There are parts of the country, particularly around the periphery, that has suffered from depopulation, and that has a certain amount to do with it. And in those situations, I think the combination of a proactive local authority and an organised local community can make a, a major difference. But you mentioned Carcine, I'm aware myself, for instance, in one case, there's one estate on the outskirts of the town, I think one property on it was occupied until recently and now nearly the whole estate is. So you're right there that things can change in circumstances, can make that bit of a, of a difference depending on, on both the local authority and the local community's ability to uh, to take advantage of it. But the thing that strikes me too, Neil, like what we're talking about largely, and it would seem what's coming across to me from your experiences, is that the model for our towns, our small and big towns and villages to some extent, has changed. The model going into the future, as you say, there no longer will be the high street with all the type of shops we were used to and that developed over perhaps well over a century. But the changed model of largely residential with perhaps convenience stores, coffee shops, service centres, like that kind of thing. Do you sense any kind of a concerted effort to move directly towards that? Because that would seem to be the model best suited for the way we're living now. Well, I was, I was um, talking to um, a pharmacist in, um, in Tipperary and um, he featured in, there was a piece on Clonmel about two, two years ago and at the time he stepped out of his pharmacy and he pointed at all these vacant properties mainly and the odd derelict property in the town centre and he was... Uh, uh, this guy called Ronan Quirk, and he's from Quirk, Quirk's Pharmacy on, on O'Connell Street. And he's particularly upset about the fact that, hang on a second, um, you know, the emphasis in Tipperary is not uh, towns like Clonmel. Uh, it's, it's um, I think, Nina, I think, was, was, he felt that where the emphasis or the money was going. But like in Kerry, a lot of people feel that the emphasis of, of investment is all generated around Killarney. Um, but of course, mm. you know, Tralee is the capital. And he was kind of pointing out that, you know, yeah, look at the, the prop, empty property there, empty property there. And then there was somebody else was pointing out, uh, for example, there's the former Clonmel mayor, uh, Councillor Pat English. Um, him and other uh, people were pointing out that actually there is movement happening and people are being encouraged to to come back into the towns to to live or to work. It's up to them. But increasingly what they have noticed is, because what, like, what else are you going to do? So if, say, for example, you own... Um, a shop unit on the high street of, of any Irish town uh, and it's been empty for the last X number of years and what, what else are you going to do with it? And increasingly they are being turned into flats or they're being turned into small coffee shops or they are turning into small businesses that are, you know, probably wouldn't rely on a huge amount of stock um, and probably would rely almost entirely on passing trade. So it literally would depend on, on where you... Um, 
and where you but you look at any town and it's not filled they're not filled with shops anymore that are actually I mean you look at Abbey Field go along yeah. Abbey Field go along the main street and you see a vibrant streetscape but then if you just stop and take a look you'll see an awful lot of it is closed down and derelict or vacant and it's had a lick of paint that's another thing that I noticed which seems to be going on is the lick of paint the lick of paint it is going on or it requires more of it oh no it's definitely going on and it's, I mean, okay, thankfully it's, you know, you can go through towns, not just in uh, in the Republic, but also in the North, where um, you're driving along and you'll see somebody's painted a window onto the side of a board with curtains and some and the flower pots. Or they, they make a fake boarding yeah. so that it looks, if you drive fast enough, yeah. it looks like it's an actual building. And there was a bit of that going on <laughs> down here. Um, but it, like, so when every time a councillor said, oh, you know, we got the old paint out and we did this and we did that. And I said, oh, don't tell me. Are you just basically making it look like a building rather than actually doing anything about it? And a number of them were saying, no, 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 we're actually, because the money's there, we are actually, like, there's a number of properties in, I think it was Tulla, where the building may not be habitable, but at the very least, it's not, um, I suppose it's back to that whole thing in New York City where you saw broken, where the whole issue with broken windows. The idea was to Zero fix tolerance. all the broken windows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I think, or or the idea that if you have, like where I live, for example, there's regular um, people g- gather up the litter. The, the view, understandably, being that if the place is filled with litter, more people will just throw their litter there. If there's already yeah. windows broken on on an estate, more people are going to come along and 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 um, and uh, you know, uh, and of course there is that estate in Rathkeel, which. Uh, I know I was singing the praises of Limerick. Uh, it's owned by the council, and it's the. I think it's the biggest derelict estate in Ireland, and it's actually owned by the local council. Yeah, I think there might be some social problems. One other element that I found very interesting, Neil, was um, in Tralee, was it a, a minor shopping centre that's now being offered as a film location? Yeah. The first place I went to when, when I went to Tralee was uh, the Milk Market Lane. Now, that is supposed to be a kind of a a new and growing and expanding hub for Tralee. Uh, Jay Madden's a former shop is now uh, a coffee shop run by Rebecca Wall and Ash McGuire. And they've set up this organisation called Tralee, Tralee My Love and it's to try and promote a positive image of Tralee. Just around the corner from then you have then the kind of the mall area and Quinlan's holes kind of, are, I think Quinlan's has reopened. But anyway, certainly when I was there, Quinlan's, the big um, fish restaurant, was closed and all the way along the street um, parallel with Quinlan's were empty um, properties. And then I got down to this uh, shop, it's kind of town centre, shopping centre. And I couldn't believe it. Like you go in, Abracababra had literally just closed their doors when I arrived. There was a guy in there sweeping the floor. Uh, and then you looked inside and there was, I think, a cobbler's in there and the rest of it was was pretty much empty. Um, and then I started asking around saying what's the story here like uh, what's happened and for whatever reason um, people are not um, they're not sticking around in the shopping centre but because there's so few people in the shopping centre while most shopping centres have their own kind of shopping centre manager and he answers questions and all this kind of stuff these, these guys now also have um, a, a film location manager. So if you want to shoot a film in a shopping centre and fill it with shop, fill it with you know actors and fake shops and all that kind of stuff, it's ideal. Uh, which is kind of uh, a kind of a surreal uh, consequence of vacancies. 
It's in other words, it's so vacant and so bad that actually it's a brilliant film location because it's just like you could almost see a day when, if things carry on with Tralee, with the fact that so many shops closing down, whether that in itself could be turned into just a permanent film location because uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a harsh leap. Well, it is. A, yeah. It is a harsh well, leap. But you know, why don't they just do something about it then? I mean, you know. yeah. Oh, yeah, Neil. I have to. You're, you're giving Kerry an awful time, especially when feelings are so tender there after losing two All Irelands <laughs> at the moment. But I take your point. But it's uh, that idea that we don't have a real world in this centre, so to speak. So it's ideal for creating your imagined world in film, I suppose. But. Uh, that is that is an interesting aspect. Coming away from it, though, Neil, um, signs for hope? I think, like, I mentioned the Tralee My Love initiative for the simple reason that these are young people who have come into the centre of Tralee and they have a vision, they're passionate, they don't just want to sell coffee, they, um, like, they have meetings, they, they hold community groups meet in their place, they, they're... They're kind of the future, and they, from talking to them, I got the impression they were disillusioned that there is, there is that, that the councils, councils like Kerry have to be dragged kicking and screaming to kind of understand that town centres are going through um, a huge problem at the moment, and you need the Rebecca Walls and the Ash Maguires of this world to come in with vision. Uh, uh, and, and I think, I, I definitely think there is signs for hope. You look at um, Listoon Varna, for example, um, you know, they have quietly spent a lot of time building up towards, I don't know if you realise it, but um, I think uh, 80 acres of land in and around Listoon Varna is owned by the local community. They own most of the big buildings. Um, and they all, you know, they everything they do is geared towards what's best for the town. Um, there's enough, the beauty about what's happening in, in and across the counties at the moment is there are enough regardless of how old they are, there are enough um, passionate souls who absolutely refuse to accept that the town centre needs to be a drab, run-down place. And they're constantly trying to find ways and get over the barriers and the obstacles thrown in their way. Um, so, yeah, that, there definitely is um, room for optimism. Uh, it just needs to rub off on certain, on certain councils. <laughs> Okay, we won't we won't mention your obvious villain at this stage again. We won't. But Neil, listen, thanks thanks very much for that, Neil. Folks, I have to say, um, if you have an interest in what's going on in the state, how things can develop, what needs to be done, excellent series on IrishExaminer.com by Neil Michael on dereliction right throughout Munster and um, some positive signs there definitely and some hopeful signs Neil thanks very much for talking to us today no problem no problem thank you for having me as always I want to thank our engineer JJ Vernon and folks thank you for listening we'll be back again next week staying by the wall in the meantime and uh, let's hope things begin to look up <laughs> <laughs>